All right. Oh, man. This is long overdue. I've been wanting to do this for probably over a decade. And people have always been like, why don't you podcast? Why don't you do a podcast? Why don't you do a show? Why don't you do something that reflects who you are? And, you know, at the end of the day, I get to work in a lot of great milieus. I, you know, I work at radio. Um, I do a little bit of TV. I work in, um, in events and I, I've gotten to talk to some really cool people over the years, but I needed to do something a little bit different. I needed to get on here and have a chance to do maybe a long form interview, maybe talk about stuff that I'm passionate about. Um, and that's what Rockman Power Hour is going to be. It's going to be all about passion. It's going to be about great conversations with interesting people about things that are awesome. Um, I think I just came up with a tagline for the show, but um, th this is something, again, I've been thinking about forever and I am so, so excited to finally be doing the first episode of the Rockman Power Hour. Um, by the way, I hope you enjoyed that theme song. My buddy DMC did that with my buddy Brett from Crazy Town, put that together for me. Um, and I'm so, so grateful to have that. And uh, we've got awesome people working behind the scenes to make this thing happen. Um, Julia is my, my producer and she's just phenomenal and she's helped to push me to get this thing off the ground. Um, so eternally grateful to her. And, you know, I don't want to be on here talking by myself all the time. You know, I'll talk to guests, but it'll be great to have someone else to bounce stuff off of. And who better than my buddy, Ryan Stick. Ryan is going to be joining me on this journey called the Rockman Power Hour. What's up, buddy? Oh, I'm doing good, man. This is a, this is a monumental location. How I've been many... talking about this for months even. We're like, let's start, let's start. And like, now's the time. I know. And it's Dune time. It's Dune time. It's, it's awesome. Well, that's the, th this is the great thing about this whole episode. Um, it, it's all about Dune. And, you know, the guests that we're going to have on today reflect um, what's going on with Dune because as of today, the new Dune movie is out. Um, I've seen the Dune movie. It's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Denis Villeneuve has just knocked it out of the park. And uh, Dune is one of the, the books that people said would never, ever be able to be translated into a film. It's been tried many times. Um, we're going to dive into that. We're going to dive into um, how Dune has been attempted on the screen many times, um, how it's succeeded at one point to actually get on screen to be later just destroyed by critics. And there was a plan to do Dune um, by a really, really well-known filmmaker who was a bit out there that never got off the ground um, and is still legendary. And it what didn't even happen. So there's all this mystique around this book, Dune. And, um, and we're going to dive into that today on the podcast, but I have to give a big shout out to our first ever sponsor, um, Prospect Strings. Now, Prospect Strings um, approached us when we were uh, announced that we were doing the podcast and they wanted to get involved. So I'm just super, super grateful to Prospect. Um, Wayne has got a really, really cool company that does awesome stuff if you're uh, someone who's into stringed instruments. They have got strings, they have got tuners, they have got everything you need for a stringed instrument and more. Um, and what I really liked when I spoke to Wayne, I said, you know, tell me a bit about you guys. Like, tell me a bit about what you do. And, you know, I, I had heard a prospect, but I really wanted to dive into Wayne's mind and find out his background. And this is a guy that's worked in this industry for years and years and years. Uh, they recently celebrated their fifth year in business. And if you go to their website, you'll see some awesome stuff. But Ryan, the thing that got me, the thing that got me yeah. is when he told me the type of strings that he imported from Germany. Now, see, if, see that sentence right there shows a, a, an amount of care for strings because it's like I imported these strings from Germany. Our bragging rights are amongst <laughs> musicians. Okay, so if you if yeah. you um, ever look at the old footage of um, Paul McCartney playing his Hofner bass, okay, those were pyramid strings and pyramid strings around musicians, you know, are yeah. known as like, these are the strings. And those are the kind of products you can see uh, with prospects. So um, they bring in awesome stuff. They're great people. They take attention to detail. They care about musicians. They care about what you're using for your instruments. So we want to thank prospect for being our first ever sponsor. And uh, I'm excited to have them on board. You know, it kind of fits, you know, we're, we're both guys who have a bit of a music background. You know, we've both kind of dipped our toe in the music industry. So a little, um, bit, little bit, little bit. So it, it's you more, nice. You more, you more than me. <laughs> you might've dipped your foot in and I like, you know, I, I was submersed for a little while, but regardless, we both have experience with music and you know how important it is to go to a place that has everything you need and, and to yeah. have that helping hand and, um, and they do it. So 
thank you to Wayne and Prospect for being our first ever sponsor of the Rockman Power Hour. I think it's pretty cool. Hell yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so Ryan, um, Dune. Now, you're in a very interesting position for this podcast because you have never seen anything to do with Dune. When it Besides, comes to Dune, when yeah. it comes to Dune, I've had my head in the sandworm. <laughs> so yeah. you don't know anything. I mean, you I, I'm sure now, I mean, you you watched the Jodorowsky documentary, which yeah, absolutely which we yeah. spoke about and you at length. Now, j- just to let people know, if you don't know, Alejandro Jodorowsky, very, very interesting filmmaker. Uh, he's an art house movie guy. He is a true artist. And he decided that he wanted to make a book based on Frank Herbert's Dune. And he um, he almost did it. I mean, he had a whole team together. It was going to happen. And just at the last minute, it, it, the, the plug was completely pulled out from under, from uh, out from under him, the carpet, I should say the rug, um, the plug was pulled out of the, the project. It just did not get greenlit. It didn't happen. So they made a documentary about it. And, yeah. um, you watched that. What was your impression yeah. on that? Well, it's, it's amazing to see, like, you know, in hindsight, it's really fun to hear a story about something that never came into fruition, but what, boggled my mind and uh friends were mutual friends were telling me about this documentary before i had ever heard of it or Mm. seen it is that he assembled this team of producers and special effects artists that would be the go-to people for science fiction for the next 30 years in hollywood in fact stuff from the bible that they put together the dune bible and shots and ideas made their way into very famous other movies like the beginning of contact Mm. And uh, all these other incredible scenes all came from this documentary. So it's amazing to see. Yeah, the the movie didn't happen, but the effect it had on the world still happened. So oh, that's yeah. pretty yeah. amazing to me. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he had Geiger, um, who was designing stuff for him, uh, who went on to design Alien. Yeah. Uh, he had so many great people. And the thing is... You watch the documentary, and uh, and I really encourage people, if you've never seen Jodorowsky's Dune documentary, uh, you can find it on Amazon Prime, I believe, and, and you can buy it, but it, it's not hard to find. And it is really a trip because this guy's vision, I mean, who he wanted to have attached to this movie, he had talked to Mick Jagger at one point. He had talked to Pink Floyd about doing the soundtrack. He had multiple soundtracks for different planets, and Pink Floyd was going to do a soundtrack. Um, he He talked to... And, and all these people were on board. I mean, he had Salvador Dali, Salvador Dali, who is like a legend in the art world, agree, yeah. you know, to be, uh, to be in this. Um, he had so many people that were going to attach themselves to this. And then he went to the studio and says, you know, this needs to be 10 hours. I mean, I'm sorry yeah. if you're a Hollywood studio and some guy comes to you with all these crazy ideas and I need giraffes and, and, oh, it's going to be 10 hours. I mean, the plug's going to get pulled on you. Maybe not today, but can you imagine back then? And this is pre-Star Wars. Yeah. That's this is, the most important part is it's pre-Star Wars. Even yeah. Tantooine, I think, was uh, inspired by the idea of Dune. Well, well this is the yeah. other thing, okay? And mm-hmm. let's let's just – let's address the elephant in the room. Dune is a massive book, okay, mm-hmm. um, which is not an easy read. It's hard to get through. And I am sure that George Lucas read Dune and just pilfered through it and just took and took and took for his movie. It's not a doubt in my mind. You know, he always talks about how, Oh, it was all about the serials and this and that. Now, I mean, listen, dude, it Dune inspired a hell of a lot of stuff in science fiction, star Wars included. So there's a lot of mystique around this. And, um, I think having the first podcast be about Dune is, is, um, is topical. Um, you know, we're going to have Denny Villeneuve on the show. Wow. Um, who directed Dune. Yeah. We're going to have uh, Rebecca Ferguson, who stars in Dune, and we're going to have uh, she's amazing um, in Doctor Sleep as as Rose the Hat. She was just so amazing. Yeah. She's so so amazing. Um, and we're going to have Bill Kelleher from Mastodon, um, who's going to spend a good chunk of the show with us talking about Dune. Because what we did is we arranged through Warner Brothers to have a screening for him to see the movie um, and and be able to chat with us. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Again, super happy you're with us. Uh, I want to welcome you to the first ever Rockman Power Hour. Sit back, relax. Let's have some fun. And don't forget to um, do all the housekeeping. Like, subscribe, um, hit that cl- that button that'll alert you when we drop a new podcast and, um, and join us on this journey. And we really, really appreciate it because uh, we're passionate guys, me and Ryan, and uh, we're going to talk about some pretty nerdy, passionate stuff, and we're going to have some awesome guests. So 
Welcome to the first ever Rockman Power Hour. All right, so um, here we are. This is uh, this is the first episode of the Rockman Power Hour. Um, we're talking all things Dune, and uh, what I'm excited about is that um, one of the guys that's coming on the show today is uh, is a friend of mine, and he's also a fan of Dune, and he's seen the movie. Um, now, keep in mind, the movie opened everywhere else in the world except for North America, and it's opening today in North America. But um, I'm really, really happy to have Bill Kelleher from Mastodon joining us. Um, Bill's seen the movie. Being, uh, Bill's got good Dune stories from uh, previous Dune incarnations, and uh, you've got some thoughts on both. So, well, first of all, welcome. Thank you for being here. Um, hey, thanks for having it. me. I really appreciate it, Jason. Yeah, man. Always like having you. Um, always like chatting, and uh, it's always like when, it's nice when we can chat about stuff that we're both passionate about. And I know that um, this new movie, you saw it a few days back, and you really, really liked it. I thought it was uh, magnificent. I, I knew, you know, I just had a feeling it was going to be, it's got a lot to live up to. Honestly, it's been what 1984. I think the original Dune came out. Yeah. David Lynch. Um, and I've literally been waiting since 1984 to, to see it again. And this is like in a new, you know, in, in 2021, new whole new cast of characters and a different sort of a different adaptation because it's the future. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's so much more imaginative things they can come up with, with uh, special effects. And they've had a long time to really perfect it. So, uh, yeah, I would have to say it was probably one of the greatest movies I've seen in a very, very long time. See, I felt the exact same way when I walked out of the screening. I was blown away. And, you know, a lot of the times when I go into these movies, I... I, I look, and you know, I'm a fan. I'm a fanboy from you know from the get go. I want to go in and I want to be. I want to. I want to love your movie. I don't want to go in there and tear it apart. I want to be a fan. So I go in there with every intention to be a fan. And um, when I walked out, I liked it so much, and I was like, I had nobody to talk to about it because I saw this movie about a month ago, and I had no one to chat with and say, "Is this as good as I think it is?" And then when you walked out and you messaged me, you're like, "Dude." <laughs> wow <laughs> I, just I was knew. on cloud nine man i was like floating i'm gonna give anything away but i was i was floating yeah like some characters may may or not do um, so yeah if if people don't know um and you know we're, we i know we have been talking about dune um but if people don't know i mean you know the book dune came out in 1965 it was always deemed this book that was impossible absolutely impossible to turn into a film um, no one thought this could be done. And, um, you know, when Alejandro Jordioski decided he was going to try to take a crack at it, um, he had the craziest, craziest, craziest ideas around this book. And he had this insane vision, which, um, you know, the documentary in 2013 talks about. Um, but you watch that documentary. Now, I know that we've got the David Lynch version. We've got the Denny Villeneuve version, which I think, and I think we'll agree is the gold standard right now for Dune. I mean, that's, that's what this book needed to be. Um, but Jodorowsky's Dune probably would have been something that, really, really special. That really would have been out there. Uh, yeah. Just his relation with, he's so into it. He's like, you know, over his head, deep into this book and just just as a person as a human as a, a filmmaker and you know what he wanted to bring uh the, was the perception of being on lsd without taking lsd right watching the movie and i really think he could have done that very very easily just because he's such a crazy weird character and he's so just he lives it you know he uh so much that you know he 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 wanted um paul atreides the character he was like who can play this person who can be this crazy uh you know super strong character the duke's son you know the one the chosen one or whatever and he's like my son of course <laughs> so he you know his son was 12 years old i think and he starred in like uh el topo or maybe it was holy mountain i forget which one maybe yeah 
So his, his son was already an actor and, and involved and he gave his son, he made his son at like 12 or 13 years old, take like karate, jujitsu, judo, Kung Fu, like all this stuff. He said, you have to, you, you're going to be Paul Atreides, but you have to be trained as a warrior. <laughs> like Just like Leto would train his own sons. So right. Like, he became, you know what I mean? He like became the movie, the book. And he was, well, he, he didn't see the movie, obviously, because it was before the movie. But he, he literally just became the book. It was like, I'm really going to train my kid to be, like, you don't have to train him in all those things. He can just act, but not not for Jodorowsky. No, and he was so committed to this thing. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't get my kids to take up the garbage. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm with you on that one. That's hard. How could, so- yeah, how could you get your kid to... He had this crazy French uh, martial artist just in the, in the there. I was watching the interview with the kid with the son yeah. who's not a kid anymore. He's probably 40 something, but yeah, he was like, it was hell. It was hell. I was a kid and I was being trained every day, five hours a day by this fucking French uh, martial artist dude in all these different, uh, you know, martial art, martial art fighting styles and, for what a move, something he never even they never even did the movie so well and th- this is the thing like when you when you watch that documentary and, and if people don't know what we're talking about it's called Jodorowsky's Dune you can find it I know right now it's streaming on Amazon Prime um this really I mean he had an insane vision and the craziest thing is that he had, hadn't even read the book like he just went into this thing going oh you know my my producer that I'm working with says we should do Dune and, and let's do Dune and he, I mean, I think what he was going after in this day and age might have happened in a miniseries, but there's no way someone was going to green light a 10 hour, you know, this thing was destined to fail from the beginning, but it just kind of shows you how difficult this book in a lot of people's eyes was to make into a film. I mean, it looked like it was an impossible, you know, and well, the, the thing about the movie, you know, the, the problem with Hollywood it's always been a problem in Hollywood is they, they, they kind of, they take the artistic novel or book and they make it ready for the, the masses. And a lot of these books aren't ready for the masses and they're, they're dark and dirty and there's, you know, there's weird shit going on. It's unexplained. And uh, they try to explain it. And yeah. I was afraid, and I was hoping that like, okay, well this, they don't, they're not going to, you know, Hollywood it up and make it make it cheesy and make it safe for like consumption you know what I mean like I want it to be gritty and dirty the way like Blade Runner the new one was you know yeah and and the old one it's like those are books you know that you uh you can't you you have to be really careful and you want to keep it true to the the artistic you know it's art you shouldn't have to ask permission just like Jodorowsky said he was like I think he turned to like Stanley Kubrick to help direct. And he was like too full of himself for Jodorowsky. And he was too too busy thinking about how much money the, you know, space Mm -hmm. Odyssey was going to make 2001, you know, and he, he's like, no, 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 I don't make art for money. I make art for art because I want to get it out of my head and out of my brain. And and it's for people to enjoy, not just to make money from. So that was kind of, and they did a great job with the, with the latest one. It's, it's incredible. Oh yeah. And I mean, you know, you go from Jodorowsky's vision, which I think was ambitious. And like you said, it was, it was almost infant like in its innocence, like the idea that you're going to actually get this thing made. I mean, and you know, when he was approaching Dali and Dali was, was, was just trying to give him any excuse not to have him come on. And he just kept saying yes to him. It was almost like, you know, it was like a chess match between the two of them. But I think you know that passion that he had for for the movie, um, and the and and for the adaptation, his version of it, kind of transcended from his version all the way to Denny's, and kind of did a little leapfrog hop over the Lynch version. Because as much as you and I love the Lynch version, after seeing Denny's movie, you realize that it's you, you cannot make Dune into a two hour movie. You just can't do it. It's it, it you're gonna miss too much stuff. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you could if you didn't read the book and right. you could just kind of skip over a lot of stuff. I mean, I when I went to see the movie, I missed the first 
like eight or nine minutes, which I did. Well, I was able to catch up and watch them last night on my own private copy, but uh, it, there was a lot of, lot of information in those first 10 minutes as I suspected. And uh, sorry, someone's trying to get my attention. Um, <laughs> I'm doing an interview here. Jesus, do you not realize we're talking so, to the Canadian press here? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so so the first, you know, the first nine or ten minutes, even when I showed up to the theater, I mean, I was running. I was like, oh, and right. I got there and they were like, oh, you only missed like, you know, five or six minutes. And I was like, yeah, but that's like the beginning. And I thought, yeah. oh, there'll probably be previews and I'll have a few minutes to like, you know, grab some popcorn or whatever. But no, it started right at 730 on the dot. So I was able to watch the first ten minutes and realize like, wow, I, I mean, I knew. I got the gist of what's happening. I know what's happening, but uh, like the cinematography in the, in the beginning and some of the stuff that I didn't hear later in the movie, they mm -hmm. said in the beginning. And then I was like, ah, oh, see, well, cause they, there were certain things they were referencing that I knew about because I've seen the, for the first movie. Right. Uh, like about the, um, the Bre the Bremens that live on the planet and they, you know, the eyes are blue because right. the, yeah, of course the spice and they told, you know, the first 10 minutes they tell about why they need the spice and it makes the universe go around and, and people are able to, to time travel and all that kind of stuff. And they, you know, because I got in late, I, they were talking about, it. I was like, well, how do they know that? Because I don't know. So it was good to catch up on the, on the beginning and, and the very opening scenes, man. Like if you want a huge movie, like massive from the get go, uh, huge actors, just huge effects, not over the top effects, but just huge, like spacecraft and like cool stuff that us sci-fi nerds get <laughs> off on in, in attention to detail all packed in like such a short amount of time, two and a half hours. They like, this is the movie. Cause I was looking at every little piece of every scene. Yeah. And everything is, it's there. It's just like, wow. I'm just in the, in the soundtrack that's happening. I mean, yeah. Like that's the thing too. Like Hans Zimmer's soundtrack, um, you know, Villeneuve's attention to detail. And I mean, you, you remember it in Blade Runner 2049, even in Arrival, the guy is is a stickler for detail, and there's no way that this that he was going to go into this and um, and half-ass it. And nothing feels half-assed in this movie at all. Nothing feels half-assed. It feels like everything, you know, it, for a sci-fi. And, and tell me if you agree with this, because this is what what I walked away when I saw it. I felt that everything in this film, as much of as it, it was a sci-fi movie. And it, it, there was tech in it and it had ships in it and it had a sci-fi feel. It also had an extremely organic feel. It di I didn't feel separated from it. Like it didn't feel like this was happening in such a faraway universe. Like I felt I could relate to the characters. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the mother and son aspect of it when, you know, Paul Atreides needs to be, needs to be a man and like go in and speak to the, the, the whatever she is, the, the mother creepy late old lady put you got to put the hand in the box. Yeah. Uh, and she's just kind of given, she's, you could feel her emotion because she's about to lose her son. You know, he could die because she's like, do everything. The mother says, do every single thing, thing that she says. And she's like, you know, puts the poison dart up to his neck. And it's like, if you take your hand out, I will. Yeah. That's an intense scene. That's an intense and the scene. Mom is like, she's about to throw up and you can feel it. Cause I'm a parent. It's like, Oh my God. Can you imagine if you had to like, give they just show up and it's like okay you have this test life or death and uh there's nothing you can really do but hope for the best um yeah i mean there's just so many good scenes to talk about in there um the only thing i was worried about was like okay i, I when i go see movies nowadays i try not to watch the preview i just try to go in like knowing okay what's well, well like blade runner for instance like i don't want to see any of the previews, all the Star Wars movies. I'm like, I don't really want to see the previews. I just want to go and experience yeah. because I know I'm going to have to see them. I'm a Star Wars fan. But, you know, I forgot that Jason Moa, Moa, 
Jim Momoa, yeah. Jason Momoa. Momoa. Yeah. Yeah, he I forgot that he was in it. And I really like him, but he has sort of uh he has he, to me he's he's kind of pigeonholed in the superheroes movies. You know? Right. He's, yeah. He's kinda he's always smiling and he's kinda quirky and He's just like this giant muscly dude. He's Aquaman, you know what I mean? And it's like you get pigeonholed and it's like, like, man, can I, can I see him in this movie and just pretend that he's just a regular Joe Schmo character? I mean, that's, I think that's why I love Star Wars so much. I mean, I was just a kid, but all those characters were, they were, that was all their first movie. Right. Really. They're, they're rel- relatively unknowns for sure. For sure. And, and I know what you mean. Momoa, like when, when they cast him as, as Duncan Idaho, I was kind of like, Oh, you know, and, but they in, kind of, they, in this, it's not that bad. It's not bad at all. No. He did a really good job. He really did. It, it wasn't, she, he didn't like, and I was afraid he's going to be like, Oh, there's Aquaman. And he's going to tell us, <laughs> he's going to do a fart joke or something like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or, or, or he's going to take off his shirt and he's going to be called Drago. Yeah. I, I, like, like, please don't, I know. Please don't do that. But they didn't. And then uh, Josh Brolin, was yeah, fucking badass. He didn't crack. He didn't crack a fucking smile the whole movie. He was just no, like, no. He was. Tough. He was. He was I mean, I, I remember the, last time I'd seen him in a movie was Jonah Hex. So we did we did the soundtrack, and I was like, right. This dude's fucking badass. And yeah, uh, he's a phenomenal actor. He's, he's a great. phenomenal actor. I mean, when you think about everything that guy's done, and again, he's another one of those guys. He's been in everything lately. I mean, he's freaking Thanos. But when I was watching that, I wasn't thinking that he was Thanos. Oh, he's Thanos? He's Thanos, dude. No shit. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So it just shows you like the right actor, you could have the biggest role ever. But if, you, if you're committed to what you're doing. Um, well, the, the guy that played, what's his name? I, don't, I forget the character. Or the character is the Duke. But yeah. he played Poe Damon in Star yeah. Wars. Yeah. That guy is you know, I thought he was a, he, he he was a little cheesy in the Star Wars movies. He was a little well. He was like he was like that Han Solo character. Yeah, kind of. He just kind of had like a one liner. A lot of one liners, which unless they're really good, it was like okay. But in this movie, he was. I was. I saw his face. And I was like, oh yeah, this guy's in it too. I like him as an actor. I think he's awesome. Mm-hmm. But I wanted again. It's like I get so attached to. Okay, that's the guy from Star Wars. I gotta get that out of my head. But he did such a, a really fucking great job in the movie as well. Yeah, no, the, I think the performances in this, like, I, and you can tell, and it, it has a lot to do with Denis Villeneuve. I mean, every actor that you speak to that's worked with him, they all say the same thing. You know, they want to do well for him. They want to perform well for him. They want to commit because he's so committed. So I think that kind of on on set is just infectious. And, um, and everybody, you know, that, that I've spoken to that worked on that movie have all said the same thing. I mean, you want to do well for Denis. You just want to do well for him. Right. Um, I got a chance to speak to Rebecca Ferguson and, uh, I wanted to play that interview. Uh, I wanted to play it while we were chatting just so you could, um, get a vibe of how, of how respected Denny is when you, when it comes. And, you know, I've got a lot of pride about that because he's from Montreal. You know, he's, um, he's a Quebecer, he's a Montrealer and, uh, he's been a staple on our film scene for years, but it was just, you know, he did prisoners, he did the arrival. And then of course he did 2049, which for a lot of people was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a stinker in terms of box office success. But like the first Blade Runner, I think it's just going to be remembered as one of those great movies that just came out. You can't always judge it on the box office. It's just like a ton of percent. Not, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Which unfortunately people do, but yeah. Well, um, let me, uh, let me play my, my interview with Rebecca Ferguson, which I did a while back. Um, it's, uh, it was pretty fun to chat with her. Cool. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You just disappeared. I can't see you. Can you see me now? Now I can. Ooh, what's the background? Mad Max. Ooh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorites. Oh. Um, Listen, I anymore. You, no, well, that's what I was going to say. You're very daring because um, this is the second time that you've uh, gone into hor- holy grail territory for me. The first one was with Doctor Sleep because The Shining is one of my favorite movies of all time, and you knocked that out of the park. I saw Dune two days ago, and let me just say that I never thought that this book would be able to be translated onto the screen, and it has been done, and it was phenomenal. So yes, I am. I am very, very excited about Dune. 
Thank you for saying that. And you read it when you were young or younger or I did. I did. It was a slog to get through, but I did it. And um, and of course, you know, David Lynch's Dune was the only reference I had. And I and I quite like that movie, but this is the new gold standard. It was it was amazing. I mean, I love we can compare and not, but that's freedom of art, isn't it? And this exactly Denny's vision. This is different. This is different. This is a whole other level of Dune. Um, the cast is phenomenal. Uh, I'm from Montreal, so of course, Denny not only is a hometown hero, but one of my favorite directors of all time. What was it like to work with him? Mine too. And also, I haven't been to Montreal, but I'm forcing myself to visit them. They're like, stop it. I'm like, no, no, come on. Where's my invite? This is my first time in Canada. Um, he was one of my favorite directors. He was also, I, I know so many people who have worked with him. So I had the work that he'd done, the fact that I've kind of studied him, watched him, his interviews, how he speaks, which I think says so much about people. And then also that reference point of friends saying, if you ever get the chance, he is the most amazing person. And then when my agents called and said, Denny wants a meeting, I, <laughs> I remember just feeling so overwhelmingly nervous and, and, odd it was a very odd territory thinking that I might be you know part of his next huge film yeah and I mean you couldn't be part of a bigger movie than Dune I mean it's it's everyone's anticipating this uh you know you've got your you've got your fans that are just clamoring for it you've got the haters that are saying this will never be done but judging from all the response that people are you know are giving you guys uh, at the film festivals and all the advanced critics that are seeing this I think this is going to be really really well received I am I'm feeling that. I, I kind of don't say that because I don't want to jinx it. At the same time, you know what? I'm really proud. I, and and I don't want to say I don't care, but the people who I've talked to who have loved it, it's it's made my day. The fact that I see like the happiness in people's yeah. eyes coming up to me or saying, this is my doom. This is how I saw it. I know how much that means. And if there will be people not liking it, that's okay. You know, we can't all love it. I loved making it and I can't wait for maybe a possibility of going back into the world but I I think if that isn't done then that's one of the biggest travesties in cinema (laughs) yeah I couldn't agree more thank you so much for taking the time today um I know you have a lot of people to speak to but continued success and you're just a joy to watch on screen thank you so much for putting everything into your work thank you so you got to understand when we chatted um no one had seen this movie and the big thing bill with this rollout is they put this movie out internationally everywhere and it's coming out today in north america but this movie has been out in almost every country except for north america and it's been killing it so why do we get left behind i I don't know i don't know what happened i don't know i don't know why i I don't know i i think it's to be honest with you and i have my own theory behind it but I, i i think it might be because what happened with 2049, they did one big global, like, drop it on this day. And I think because there's so much at stake with this, they they had to make this work. Like, this movie had to work because, as you know, I mean, it ends. Like, there's clearly going to be a part two. Um, but if it doesn't make enough money, there's not going to be a part two. Because that movie was a hell of an expensive movie to make. I'm sure, yeah. So There'll I be think, a part two. There's got to be. Well, now there will be because it's oh. killing it overseas. But I just wanted to let you um i you know rebecca and i um shacked up and you know she's <laughs> dude how awesome are these figures you got to be on like, how cool are they that's rad the still suits right look at them oh those are awesome man yeah. the still suits in uh in jodorowsky's he made one apparently for the, in for, the, his, the for his son yeah, it's looks it looks very similar to well, the one they wore in the movie. It was fucking cool. So here we go, right? So we talk about how great Denny's movie is, but let's be honest, um David Lynch's movie, uh, there's a lot of stuff in this movie where you can see he's kind of paying respect to David's version. There's some nods, and I think the still suit was one of them because the still suits look strikingly similar to the ones that we got in Lynch's Dune. Yeah. which looks strikingly similar to Jodorowsky's design. So it, it, it yeah. all goes back to Jodorowsky had a, his, his no matter what you say, his movie didn't get made, but he's got his thumbprint on a lot of this stuff. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you go for it. Yeah. So the, uh, the, let's want to talk about the original one. I do, because I know you've got a good story about, and, and like, I, I've got every version of this movie 
possible. You know, oh they, they, yeah, they just, well, they just reissued it on 4k and they actually did a arrow video, did a great transfer on 4k. It looks better than it's ever looked. Well, it never um, looks as good as unless it's on German laser disc. Well, I, and I, I've been hunting here. for it, but I know you're really, you, you're really, got you, you got the, the only copy. They only, they only made one copy and I have it. <laughs> this is, so you very, always take, all, you, you, I don't think you can really, you, you still have a hard time like accepting the fact that I still buy physical media. Right? <laughs> No, I don't. But you have like a ten copies of the same movies. So. Yeah, but it's different artwork. I, I mean, know. I on. get it. You know, you're um, you like you like the art. The you know, I like vinyl too. I just you know, I like collecting toys as well. And I collected so much fucking shit over the years. I just had to. I had to stop because they keep making yeah. more and more and more cool stuff. And I don't have any room for it all. So yeah, yeah. but Star Wars stuff. I mean, listen, like I, I got off the Star Wars toy bandwagon a long time ago. I mean, I had just, to, but it's yeah. hard. But the, I mean, you know, the Dune figures, I might might have to get a set of those. Well, there's those, and then you know, then there's these, which uh, these are awesome. If you you know the old school um, pops, I don't know if you oh, get yeah. pops at all. So they did, um, you know, they did Kyle who played Paul Atreides, which is cool, and then they did Sting, right? Who played Faith? Oh, sick! You got that. When when did those come out? Those come out uh, about a year ago. Do you but, have- do you have the the, uh, the Dune underoos? No. Well, actually, I have them on now. Actually, they're in the oh, wash. Julia's watching. They come with a lot of sand is, is in there. <laughs> in your undies. This is the fade. You remember his scene when Sting comes out and he's all oiled up? This is the chase that was only available in uh, at the uh, New York Comic Con. Anyways. Wow. that's You're going deep, bro. I go deep when it comes to Dune. But that's I... cool, though. So, Very cool. So I still love Lynch's do and you know and and when when i spoke to um to rebecca we talked a bit about that but that version for me is always going to be special because it's the one i saw when i was a kid yeah i saw when i was a kid i saw it when i was an adult the thing is like when braun and i were before we were in mastodon we were in another band and we were kind of stuck in this studio uh when we were playing in this band living there for about a year and we had a little black and white TV slash uh, VHS player. It was probably about like this big. And we had, Braun had a box of, of VHS tapes and one of them was Dune. And uh, we'd watch it all the time and just be like, man, this is really cool. And we, you know, we took some samples from it um, for some of the stuff we were doing. And there was one night when Braun and I, you know, we lived in this little tiny town and outside of Worcester, Mass, where it was not, everything rolled up at 10 o'clock at night and there was nothing, nowhere to go, nothing to do. We didn't make a car or any means of transportation. So we just sat around and watched a lot of movies and we took mushrooms one night and we're like, let's watch Dune. Oh my God. It's like the craziest movie. Let's watch Dune on, you know, on, on hallucinogenics. <laughs> and I just remember it was like a comedy. <laughs> Right. I mean, everything's funny when you're on mushrooms, but there was just a scene where Paul Atreides is riding on the Shy Halud and he's like, he gets up on it and he's like riding it like a fucking rhino or whatever, but it's this massive sandworm. And his, I don't know, his hair is parted and there's like, you know, the wind on it. And man, it's just like the funniest. It's just kind of funny. <laughs> it's goofy. And that's the thing goofy. is that. Like, especially when you watch it now, the figure, I mean, the, 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 you know, the, the, the animation that they use, the, you could tell that there's, um, you know, there, there's uh clearly something that's like a cell that's put over, like, it just, it just looks really hokey, but back then, that's all, they, looked, had back that's all then. they had, but on mushrooms, it must look even hokier. Yeah, but it was great. It was like, the, <laughs> it was like the world's greatest comedy. It was so funny. I mean, it's, it's a great movie. I'm not putting the movie down. It was, it was me who was, uh you know, had, had the effect going on in my brain, but it was, I'll just never forget that scene of him riding on the sandworm. And he was, I was waiting for that in the new dude. And I was like, where's the, is he going to be riding the sandworm? Or maybe it's in part two. I'll bet yeah, I think, uh, well, this is the thing, you know, when, when, and, and it clearly, I mean, it's no, it's no spoiler people, everybody knows this is a, a very much a part one and it's been marketed as a part one. So a lot of the stuff that Lynch fans are, Dune Lynch fans were waiting for are not going to get in this movie right away. There's a whole other half that they sped 
in the Lynch version that you're not going to get now. So if you're going to the cinema, expecting to see that kind of stuff and expecting to see, you know, Paul um, joining the Freeman and all that. I mean, we don't get that whole thing until hopefully part two. There was something that while I was watching it and it, I I rewatched the Jodorowsky, uh, Jodorowsky's Dune yesterday, today and yesterday. And it reflected exactly what I was thinking when I was watching. I was like, man, if, if this were to come out before star Wars came out, yeah, it'd be a whole different ball game. You know what I mean? It would be Dune everywhere instead of yeah, instead star, of star Wars. Wars. You know what I mean? Because it's a space odyssey. It's a crazy story. It's a little, it's not as simple as star Wars. It's a little more in depth, but it, uh, I think that's what makes it even more interesting is just the, just the sheer bizarreness of some of the stuff. Like when the Baron is just floating around and it's so fucking creepy. And you're like, there's no explanation. He's just floating. And it's just like, why is that fucking guy? Why is nobody saying that guy's just floating around? He's making (laughs) that weird thing. It's just like, I was like, I got chill bumps, man. I was like, this is really weird. I mean, I knew it was going to happen, but I was, it's just really bizarre. And in the, the Jodorowsky, documentary it, they say the same thing they're like if he were if he was made the race and got his movie done before star wars came out it'd be a whole different world out there you know dune would be like the everything would have came after dune that would have set the precedent you know what i mean and yeah because yeah. I, I don't know if you saw the dune toys like because there was an action figure line that came out um in the you know in the in the mid 80s around that movie and they're they're not great yeah <laughs> they're, they're not great them, but yeah i don't know it's uh it really took my breath away i was just had a, i mean i don't want to tell anybody too much but everybody knows what do you know what the story is with dunes i didn't want to you know saying you can't give anything away really but i was like everyone's like how was it i was just is magnificent it was just such a well-done movie i really want to go back to the theater and see it again oh yeah it's like definitely a two three time watch for me in the theater it's the kind of movie i know it's coming out on like hbo max here soon but it's like that's the kind of thing you have to see it like in imax or you have to see it on a giant screen with the proper audio because it's 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 just encompassing it's just like yeah and when the when they do the the they use the voice it's creepy as hell mm. and just all the sound effects and everything it's like it's like it's honestly it's like when you first saw star wars or you first started hearing all those really weird uh, lasers and effects and all that stuff and it's like learning you know listening all this over again and it's like a whole new thing it's it's great especially for like a 50 year old you know guys like us who are like yeah who are yeah who grew up on this shit and it's not just the same shit rehash like no no i know i heard that sound before it's like all like they just started from scratch and like just re rewrote the book you know and same thing with Hans zimmer when they were um they were interviewing him about his soundtrack and uh you know his soundtrack is phenomenal for this film and um there's a version that you can see uh they can listen to it's called my uh, sketches for dune and it's the longer versions of the music pieces you know some of them are about eight 13 14 minutes long and they're just phenomenal so um the sound design the music everything about this movie is is great but um you know i'd be remiss if i didn't say at the helm of it all is denny and denny's work on this film is just brilliant um I got a chance to chat with Denny. I have a very funny story about chatting with Denny because I interviewed him for Blade Runner 2049 before he was announced that he was doing Dune. And I asked him a question um, and uh, we get to it here in the interview. Salut Denny. Bonjour, comment vas-tu? Good, how are you? Um, listen, uh, this is crazy to try to do this and in 2017 after we spoke about Blade Runner 2049 I asked you could you do Dune for me and you said yes and I don't think it was announced yet but you <laughs> you have it you have totally totally succeeded um, I saw the movie a few days ago uh, and I was just blown away um, I never thought that this could be done and you've you've managed to do it listen thank you very much for your enthusiasm I will say that frankly 
And that's the beauty of filmmaking. That's the beauty of cinema. We're talking about teamwork here. I didn't do did the movie alone. No, no, no. I had the best team with me. I think one thing that I have as a quality as a director is that I, I, I know how to surround myself with a great team. And I choose very specifically individual artists around me that I knew will be able to bring the, the, the firepower of, of this novel to the screen. You know, and the biggest challenge, I think, was not the, it was definitely the screenwriting because uh, uh, the idea was to make sure that uh, hardcore fans like me or as you, I think you are, yeah, recognize the essence of the the, the essence of the novel, but at the same time, that uh, people that have no idea what we are talking about will totally feel welcome. Well, well exactly understand what what it is about. That was the the challenge is to keep the essence of the novel, the complexity of the novel, and still uh, uh, bring something that uh, is accessible to a wide audience. And that's what I felt, you know, when I went in, I tried to go in in the, in, in the, uh, in the guise of being someone who knew nothing about Dune. And I, I was able to follow along. I didn't feel like I was left out. I felt like I understood everything. So that's a huge feat. Also for a science fiction movie, it had such um, a real feel, like a natural feel to it. It didn't, you know, some science fiction movies, you, f- you don't feel a human aspect. You feel like you're so distanced from it because it's science fiction and it's far away, but this still felt ta- tangible and relatable. It was at the very, uh, uh, the very preoccupation, preoccupation, the main preoccupation for me was to focus on the intimacy of Paul Atreides' journey yeah. and his relationship with his mother and to bring all the humanity of his journey. And that, that, at the end of the day, that's what is interesting about this story, is the, 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 the dramatic aspect of it, the, the tragedy of Paul Atreides, and how we can relate to, to him and, and, uh, and to his journey, and, and uh, to bring the universality out of it. And, and uh, uh, that, uh, that was the main, uh, pre- my main preoccupation. Uh, also, I made sure that uh, I was obsessed by the idea that the planet should feel familiar the audience should not be um as kept away with exotism but yeah do i will do totally the opposite i will try to bring some kind of familiarity and high realism to the, to the planet so that the people will like in the background of your subconscious feel that feels so real say that to feel that good so to bring all the 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 theme that uh, I thought, think are very important in the book to bring the novel to to today's world that was the idea to to make it as close to us as possible even if it happens in ten thousand one ninety one after the yeah, it's like just to make sure that it's like uh, uh, close to us and it's very very relatable um and the characters too have a human aspect to them you know the relationship between Jessica and Paul um it feels real it feels relatable and you can see that that you know the love she has but she still has this duty to you know the order she's a part of so it's, it's very very well uh you know described in the film so kudos to that i mean this is a huge huge feat this is a huge accomplishment and it seems like you don't shy away from challenges you know 2049 is a holy grail uh, you know blade runner is a holy grail for me 2049 was right up there with the original so uh, i have to applaud you on dune i mean you know i'm gushing because i really really enjoyed it and i've been anticipating this forever Thank you very much for your enthusiasm. I will say this one. I say it's like I was dreaming to see some images uh, coming out of the novel since a long time, and I I always thought that some someone would do it one day. I said there's a, a movie that has not been made from the book, and I'm hoping someone will do it. And it's very strange for me that both of us are talking about it today, and I did it. But it, it's a, such a big privilege, yeah? massive, well, the biggest privilege of my life to bring this novel to the screen. Well, thank you for taking the time and continued success. And I can't wait for part two. Merci beaucoup. Thank you. Merci, Denny. Biggest privilege of his life. That's amazing. What a great interview. It sounds like a really great guy. He is. And he's so humble. I mean, the guy just made the biggest movie ever and he's humble. Like, he's like, I don't get it. You know, if I was, if I was in his shoes, I probably would be such a dick. He's probably in shock. You know, he's just like, and he, like you said, he's like, uh, been, I've seen these uh, visions from the book come to life on the big screen for many, many years. And now I can't believe I'm sitting here with you talking about it. And I did it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy. And, and it's good. I'm really, really glad that you saw it. You're blown away. I saw it. I'm blown away. You're someone whose opinion I trust. 
So, and I know you don't mince words. If you don't like something, you'll say it's shit. So (laughs) you're a lot, you're a lot fucking less, you're not as nice as I am. That's for sure. So, but uh, no, I'm glad, but listen, we could talk about Dune all day, but I do want to chat with you. Um, Mastodon a bit. I mean, I do have you here. You got a new album coming out next week, Hushed and Grim. Um, how excited are you about this record, man? I mean, you've been sitting on this for, I think you've been sitting on this finished record for what I, is it, dare I say almost a year? It's, I was just talking to Braun about it today at band practice because, uh, you know, we're starting to relearn the songs and whatnot. It was actually a year ago, this October. Hmm. That we got into the studio with uh, David Bottrell, fellow yeah. Canadian from Toronto, and uh, started uh, writing this, putting this record together, and putting it down on tape. And uh, you know, it was, it was probably the longest time we spent in the studio, just because we had you know COVID, and we didn't really have anywhere to be or or any end date, which was great. And we did it in our own studio, so we didn't have to you know wasn't like money flying out the window every time you couldn't decide on something. So there was no pressure. And we finished it uh, earlier this year. I think it was by February, maybe we had it pretty much in the bag and, and ready to, you know, actually listen to as a final thing. So it's been a while, man. It's probably the longest time we've ever had a record just sitting around waiting to be released so you know we've had pushing the tides uh one of the tracks off the record with a video came out a few months ago which you know it's definitely it's a really good feeling when something you've worked so hard on uh can see the light of day and you can share it with other people because i've been dying to like i mean i shared it with you early on because you're yeah and i no, you're not going to leak it, but <laughs> that's what you think. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's I'm I'm excited. Let's put it. Yeah. Uh, I'm well, more than excited. I can't wait for it to fucking come out. Yeah, and the thing is too, um, and yeah, I, I have heard it, and I, I've been you know I've been listening to it for for quite a while now, and um, I I think also for a band like you guys, you guys don't slow down a lot, so you were really forced over the last eighteen months to slow the fuck down, and you're probably used to just writing, touring, writing, touring, like, like the cycle goes. So yeah. for you guys to have to like grind to a halt and really sit with something, that's probably, I don't know if it's a it blessing or a curse for guys like you. Cause does it, did it give you more time to nitpick on the songs? Well, that's the thing I kept saying, <laughs> like, you know, let's one, you know, and I've always said this once we're kind of, we've got the idea for the song down, let's record it. Let's get mm-hmm. it down. Let don't, don't you know it's it's like a painting you know you got to put the brushes down at some point and you need to keep that spontaneity of a, especially with a with a piece of music you know it's got to sound fresh it's got to sound like yeah you haven't sat there and, and polished it and polished it and polished it and changed stuff and cut and pasted and done all that stuff it's like when you when i write something it's like man and i really feel it in my heart like man this is this is gives me goosebumps it makes me feel great like let's record it now let's get yeah. it down let's throw their vocals down on it and just put it to the side don't fuck with it yeah i know i know when you're excited about something cuz you'll message me and you'll be like hey you got a minute and i'll be like yeah what's up i'm at work listen to this and you did that a few times on this record like yeah, a I, while sent you, back. I sent you tear drinker which really? was, was our first single yeah which just came out a couple weeks ago with a video as well. And I sent you a very early version that didn't even have, I think, well, it didn't have the bass solo and it probably yeah. didn't have a couple different parts, but I was so excited about it back then. I was like, man, I'm really, the song, yeah. I was like, what do you think of this? Cause it doesn't sound like us. It kind of sounds, it's, it's, it's different for us, but uh, I remember you loved it. You said, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And, and, you know, and, and we're playing it here. I mean, I, I host a radio show in the city, uh, Montreal, and, and we're playing it. And and I was really happy when, you know, it was brought to the music department. And they were like, this fits in the playlist. So that that's all. It always makes me happy when um, when not only, you know, we, we get to play a band that I like, but, you know, if I have a friend that, you know, it's always nice to be able to go back to your friend. Well, I knew you'd be playing it someday. I was like, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the hit. Like, is the one he's, either gonna be, he's either going to be playing it in his car a lot in Montreal or he's going to get it on air. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to ask you really, really quickly. Um, there's gotta be pressure when you come off of winning a Grammy, um, and you're going into do your next record. I mean, there's gotta be pressure. 
and it's and I know you'll say no, oh, no, no, but there's got to be somewhere in the in in the line, like from you know from management to whoever. There's got to be someone saying we got to live up to this now. I mean, because you're in a different category now. You know, it's it's you're a Grammy Award winner, so now it's like there's naturally going to be more eyes on you. Yeah, but I honestly I I didn't even think about that until. I just brought it up. <laughs> no, I was I was actually on a run like two days ago and I was on Tybee and I was running and I was thinking I was listening to like I think I was listening to Tear Drinker or something because I yeah. I rarely will listen to our music after I've recorded it because we've heard it we've heard it so many times. I'm like, I don't yeah. want to hear it anymore. I'm just like I'm done with it. But I was uh I was watching we we did a uh, a documentary or for the record and it it came out really, really well. It came out really, really good. And like everybody was talking, you know, well about each other and, and about Nick John, our manager, who we miss and love every day. And um, there's some real emotional scenes in there. And it was just, just, just done really well. And like, there's some scenes where I can hear our music playing in the background. I was like, I kind of feel like listening to our record while I'm on my run. So I started listening and I was just holding, my, I didn't have my, earbuds so i'm just holding my phone like jogging <laughs> in the hot sun and i have trying to listen to it i'm like oh, this sucks but <laughs> i was like i started thinking about the grammys and it yeah like I, you can't let that kind of pressure in because once you start thinking about like well now we're like this kind of band or now we have this kind of audience or maybe we should sound like this like i can't i can't go down that road um yeah but that doesn't mean I don't think about it because I did think, well, I wonder if this record will, you know, I mean, it's got to, to me, this record is even deeper and better songwriting than all of our last records. Right. I mean, I thought Emperor Sand was amazing. and It was. You know, there's a lot of really emotional, great tunes on there. And I was like, well, there's this, this record is no exception. It's just, there's a lot of stuff to choose from. And, and I, I, and I just started thinking about it in my head, like, how does it work? Does like, does the record company just throw the Grammys like here, take, take all these songs. We think these are up. These are, you know, uh, could get an award or whatever. And I was like, who cares? It doesn't yeah. really matter. It's like, I listen, I, I, write, I don't, I didn't join a band and win a Grammy. I just, no, of course not. And, and, and listen, I like you, I grew up, you know, I love public enemy. And uh, there was always that line about like, who gives a fuck about a goddamn Grammy. And, yeah. and then, you know, um, Karis one would say the award shows for pimps and hoes and every other hypocrite to flaunt their clothes. So there was always that, that, you know, that vibe around it. But at the end of the day, you know, when you write music, you gotta be, you know, to win a great, like, look at that. I mean, can we get it? Can we, can we pull in on that please? That That is beautiful. That's, that's badass. I mean, you know, and I, as as a friend, paperweight. dude, uh, paper. Come on, that's something that no matter what you say, it, it's great because what's great about it is that you guys did it on your terms. You didn't you didn't write to get a Grammy. You got recognized, and that's what I'm. If we tried to write to get a Grammy, we'd, we'd still would be have. still be in the van in the basement trying to get a song together. I'm I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you'd like Dune because I think. If you wouldn't have said you liked it, I would have said, okay, maybe I drank the Kool-Aid and it's because I love Denny so much. And But when you said you liked it, I was like, all right, it is that good of a movie. No, I mean, it's fucking stunning and it's just so well done. It's fucking great. I mean, I, when it ended, I it was like, it was like I almost fell off, a, fell out of my chair. Yeah. I was like, well, yeah, no, well, you can't I, be over yet. Let's just say I saw another movie this morning. That's coming out in November that from a massive studio. And I did not have that same feeling. And then I go, so I realized that there was something special. I saw a couple of stinkers after Dune. And uh, this well, I is, think uh, that, I mean, with Denny, he's just that kind of director. Who's uh, he's not like, like Jodorowsky. He's like not in it for the money. He's like thinking of the art and like, Hey, a lot of people are going to judge me on this. I have to make this movie as close to the book you know, for that intellectual, you know, intellectual, spiritual experience of the book. And how do you put that onto the big screen? That's not an easy feat. And he, you know, he obviously did his homework and he fucking did it really well. So, yeah. So again, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it, man. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the response to the record. Cause I think, um, I think people are going to dig it.
Yeah, I know they are. I mean, Mastodon <laughs> fans are going to dig it. Yeah, they are. There's going to be a lot of haters who are like, oh, your best record was fucking 21 years ago. And it's like, okay, well, that's your opinion. But I can't, you know, I can't write like that anymore. I, I've moved on and, you know, I just can't help that. I just keep, I just keep getting bigger and better and older. <laughs> I can't help that. Uh, Bill, thanks again, man. And we'll talk to you again soon. All right, Jason. Thanks you, buddy. All right, man. Later. Take care. Ah, so much fun to talk to Bill. Um, Ryan. Love. Bill's amazing. Dude, I, it's so great to watch like uh, people out there. I hope you know that Jason for the last year and a half has been uh, on a project with Bill about called the Kings of Quarantine in which yeah. you guys uh, uh, put together these amazing covers with Kevin from Slaves yeah. on Dope. And uh, we didn't talk about that at all. We, we have no, to do, we're going to have to do a whole episode on Kings of Quarantine because that thing was crazy. And that again, it's a, it, that was a group effort. You know, you were really involved with that, all the videos. Um, so yeah, we're going to have to have Bill back to talk about Kings of Quarantine, but um, I, I'm really, really grateful again. And I have to take a minute to thank uh, Wayne at Prospect Strings. Um, they are our first ever sponsor here on the Rockman Power Hour. And uh, they have an incredible website. If you have anything to do with stringed instruments, um, anything at all, they have got you covered. So go check them out. Prospect Strings. You can find them on online. Um, they have great customer service. They're over five years in business. And Wayne's got a hell of a lot of experience in the music industry. He knows what he's doing. Um, and it's the kind of business where, you know, you call, he'll pick up the phone and he will help you out. So prospect strings, go check them out. Ryan, this has been awesome. We're going to do more of this, right? Hell yeah. In fact, uh, episode two is already in the works. And one of my favorite rock heroes ever is going to be your next guest, I believe. Yeah, we, we have, um, we have a really, really cool guest for episode two. I don't want to give it away just yet, but let's just say, um, He's been known to take a walk on the wild side. Um, he's uh, he's danced on glass, you could say. He's danced yeah. on glass. Uh, yeah. I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, he's been known to be a little too fast for love. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, sometimes they call him Dr. Feelgood. Yeah. Too many hints? Well, I know that his music kicks kickstarts my heart. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. We, we've got we've got a really, really cool guest for the next uh for the next Rockman Power Hour. We've got another guest that we have uh in the works as well. And uh again, thank you so much for being here. Um, Ryan, it's been a lot of fun. And um is there anything you want to add? I mean, obviously, after we've talked about Dune, you've heard me talking to you know Denny and to Rebecca and to Bill. How excited are you to see Dune? I'm really excited. I mean, have we, have we got because you're you're in a unique position. Yeah. You've never seen the you know we've talked about the David Lynch version. We've talked about the book. Um, you've mm. never seen the Lynch version, and I, I grew up on that. So for you, you're going in like fresh, like clean slate. You you're, you have not you you are like breaking your Dune virginity. I'm glad to do that actually because every time I see a superhero movie where I know nothing about the comic book, I tend to enjoy it a lot more than any purist that knows that uh, comic book really well. So to come in and just see Denny's vision Mm. and only Denny's vision, not have a book to reference, not have uh, David Lynch's, nothing. Just I'm going to see the movie for what it is. And I'm really looking forward to that because Denny Villeneuve is a, a cinematic genius and I would rather him tell me a story then I have to forget another one to appreciate this one. Well, that's exactly it. You know, mm. uh, and, and to, to put it in, in terms that you would understand, um, imagine going to see a Tom Holland Spider-Man movie that Marvel, you know, cinematic universe, Marvel studios has put out and you've never seen um, the crappy live action version from the seventies. Oh yeah. And you've never <laughs> seen, and you've never seen a cartoon. Like it's your first experience yeah. with it. That's what it's going to be like for you with Dune. It's going to be, yeah. it's going to be great. Your benchmark is going to be high and you're not going to have anything to compare it to. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly looking really forward to it. Uh, right before we go, it just sounds to be this, like a little bit of Hollywood lore. I recall that uh, David Lynch was asked to direct return of the Jedi, but turned it down to do Dune instead. So that's kind yeah. of interesting that he's like, I don't want to go for the e- egg. I want to go for the chicken. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, you know, he made the decision and, um, 
it was a nightmare. I mean, it was a night, the production, if you ever hear Lynch's interviews, he okay. hates that movie. He can't stand the movie. He hates it. And and Denny loves his, and Denny loves well, his movie. So that's the, really nice, you know? And there's a lot of nods in the new movie to, um, to Lynch's Dune. There's even nods to Jodorowsky's Dune. So awesome. There's some, a lot of nods and there's a lot of respect. So, um, and, and don't and I have to say this before we go, I do not hate the David Lynch Dune movie. I actually love the David Lynch Dune movie. I grew up on that. Sting is wonderful in it. Um, you know, it, it was Kyle's first ever movie. And then he went on to be, uh, you know, a legend with David with Twin Peaks. And so there's a lot of stuff in there. That's, that's, that's great. But I tried watching that with my kids and with Julia and they were like, this is horrible. <laughs> like this is just bad. And I, and I understand it. It's like when Bill was talking about, you know, riding the sandworm, <laughs> it's, it looks a little hokey, but I, you know, I still needed every version I could get on 4k <laughs> because, because I just love doing that much. Uh, you know, but that's the perfect thing about it. Like I, I think my girlfriend like you likes things that are a little strange yeah, <laughs> including me, you know, so like Dune's an acquired taste and so am I. So I want to check out this uh, Dune movie from the 80s because I have a feeling I'm actually going to really like it. Like, I really like hokey things. Yeah. I like seeing giant monster movies where you can see the tape. I just I just do. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll set aside you know. a, a Dune night and we'll do it. So me and you, um, I would love to see Dune with you. And yeah. I want to hear you giggle like a child <laughs> at Sandworm riding and, you know, yeah. Well, uh, just let everybody know, Dune, uh, Denis Villeneuve's Dune is in theaters as of today in uh, North America. So enjoy it. Uh, go out and see it. Uh, I want to thank uh, Warner Brothers for uh, setting us up with these advanced screenings. Uh, I want to thank, uh, of course, our sponsor. And we cannot not thank our sponsor, Prospect Strings. Uh, go check them out. They've got everything that you need for stringed instruments and more. Also, uh, I want to thank my co-host, Ryan Stick. Ryan, you're great. Um, and I can't wait to go down this uh, rabbit hole with you and have a lot more adventures. And I want to thank our producer, Julia Kajerski, who is, uh, w without her, I would not be able to do any of this. And she puts up with all my bullshit. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, again, make sure that you, um, that you subscribe and like, and, uh, hit the uh, reminder button to, uh, get notified when we do drop a new podcast and we will see you, uh, next time.